0: This episode of the Gondrepreneur Podcast is made possible by 420-friendly service providers in the Gondrepreneur Business Directory. If you need professional help with your business, from accounting to legal services to consulting, marketing, payment processing, or insurance, visit Gondrepreneur.com businesses to find service providers who specialize in helping cannabis entrepreneurs like you. Visit the Gondrepreneur Business Directory today at Gondrepreneur.com businesses. Hey there, I'm your host, TG Brandfault, and thank you for listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of Gondrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Today, I'm joined by Kristen Yoder, soil to the oil owner. She has more than 10 years in the cannabis industry, offering strategic advisement services to businesses and entrepreneurs seeking to enter the industry, and she's the host of the canna bs detector podcast which is a whole lot of fun really interesting stuff on that uh how are you doing
1: i am good thank you so much for having me today
0: i'm really really stoked um before we get into sort of what you do and and some of the bs uh, that we're going to talk about today uh tell me about yourself how did you end up in the cannabis space
1: So actually, I've been in the cannabis industry in Los Angeles since 2005. So I'm going on 14 years um, out here. And I got my first job at a dispensary when I got my doctor's recommendation in 2005. There was only one dispensary in the city of LA. And the first time I went in there, I was just absolutely in heaven. I was like, oh my God, there are weed stores. This is insane. Um, To clarify, I wasn't really a medical patient. That's just how you got weed in California. So um, the dispensary, nobody smoked there, which was insane. I'm like, oh my God, you guys need me. So the second time I came in, they hired me. And I mean, I was just, I loved it for five years. it, It was my job to literally study weed and teach people about it. So I did that. And then between the politics in LA and repeating myself 80 times a day for five years, I got very burnt out. And I took a couple years off to learn how to grow cannabis indoor and outdoor. But um, I realized when working in a warehouse that cannabis growing is labor, and I don't do labor. So I got another job running an edible company, one of the largest in California for three years. And when I started, uh, I was doing supply chain management. And then I took over product development, R&D pretty much immediately. While I was there, um, I made 11 products and I helped them start their Washington edible company. And uh, so I left there when they got raided. Um because there's no operations to manage when you get shut down. But they opened up again, and then they got raided again, and then they opened up again, but that's another story. So after three years there, I went to work for the analytical testing lab that I did all of the testing for the extract while I was at the edible company, and I did product development with them, and they knew I was a good project manager. So I started working with cultivators to come up with custom terpene-formulated vape cartridges, And um, they also just came out with a terpene training kit, which I took on as my pet project. And I would teach edible companies and dispensaries, et cetera, about uh, terpenes. And I did that for a year. And then I wanted to go out on my own and tried management consulting and realized I absolutely hate that. I don't want to spend my time doing SOPs and business plans for people that aren't even going to use them or listen to you. So I... Did that for a year. Um, and I also did a podcast back then with my ex-business partner called Cannabis Business Minds, uh, which was on cannabisradio.com, et cetera. Um, and then once we split, I decided to be a strategic advisor, meaning I'll help you figure out what you should do, I'll point you in the right direction, but I'm I'm not gonna do your homework for you. <laughs> you know, like um, I'm here to make sure that you know what you're getting into. Um, and to point you in the right direction. So I do that. But really, my focus and my passion is teaching people about terpenes and doing my podcast. I also have a dash radio show called soil to the oil story time where I have people in the industry, talk about their crazy, scary, or funny stories. I'm kind of like, don't talk about your positive stories, because that's literally every other show. Because, I mean, I want people to know it's it's a shit show in the industry. It's not even fun once they legalize it. So um, I like to bring people down to reality. And I'm also on the radio in San Diego every Friday. And um, that's about it.
0: You are yeah. a busy human being.
1: Yeah, I really am. I'm kind of like losing my mind a little bit. My aspirations are much larger than my capabilities, but luckily, I have a lot of awesome people there supporting me and helping me because they believe in me, which is pretty freaking awesome.
0: So even after you said that you were you were uh, you were working at a place that was that was raided a couple of times, why at that point didn't you walk away? A, a lot of people do.
1: Uh, because I. Freaking love cannabis. Like, I mean, my dad, it's so funny, he posted a picture of us 20 years ago when he ran his first marathon and I was 15 and I was wearing a 420 shirt. <laughs> um, it's been like, I mean, half half-baked, dazed, and confused. I was your typical stoner child. I mean, I I still am. I own that word. Like, there are functional stoners like don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because you want to be all pious about medical cannabis. Like there are people that just like to smoke weed and hang out with people and listen to music or whatever. So, um, yes. Did were, I answer were your, your question? parents?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Were your parents, uh, supportive or not, maybe not supportive, but accepting of your cannabis use? And, and do you think that that might've sort of led you on the path that you were on?
1: My parents are all very Christian, um, non-denominational Christian. Like my dad and his wife are missionaries in Cambodia. My mom and her husband are, they have a little church in Las Vegas. So no, they weren't supportive when I was a kid getting high, but they couldn't stop me. Um, I feel bad for them because they kind of gave birth to like a nightmare, but I got better when I moved out and, um, they i mean they were scared they were more worried than anything because um at the dispensary i was at that got rated by the dea and i was the only one there and then the edible company got rated several times but that's because they pissed off ex employees and hey man you get what you put out right and then Uh, the lab, I wasn't there when they got raided, but this is California. That's why California doesn't have a lot of business people running cannabis businesses because business people don't want to take a risk of going to jail. So, uh, you can't stop me. Like I'm in it to win it and I haven't gone to jail. So that's a plus.
0: You are incredible. Um, you, you, you spoke briefly about the, the advisement service, uh, that you're doing now, Uh, and I know on your website there, you have something called a power hour. What does somebody get when they sign up for that power hour?
1: So I created the power hour because everybody reaches out to pick my brain, but you wouldn't reach out to a lawyer to pick their brain about your divorce because they went to law school and they get paid by the hour, um, generally with a retainer. So I didn't do 14 years running businesses in every sector to have my brain picked. So I do that. Whatever you want to know, I ask people to send me your questions ahead of time. That way I have answers. I can provide guidance. But really, as a strategic advisor, I'd say my main job is expectation management. And that means lowering people's expectations greatly. Because if you don't lower your expectations, you're going to lose your freaking mind. Because whether or not we want the cannabis industry to be professional, it is not there yet. So uh, people really need to know that. And, you know, there is no personal bankruptcy once you start a cannabis business touching cannabis. So these mistakes that you make live with you like student debt. So you really need to understand that if you don't have the capital to get started, you should be really happy you found me first.
0: So you've been in the industry for 14 years. You know you started a dispensary. Now you know we're we're in legalization in California, um, not where I am in New York. But uh, how has the industry changed in those 14 years? Aside from legalization, you know you've seen a lot. Uh, what's, what's sort of been the biggest changes that that you've noticed?
1: The industry in California, the medical cannabis industry started before the Compassionate Use Act or Prop 215, which was in 1996. Um, But 1996 is when it got established. And until, let me think, SB 420, I think that came out in like 2008 or something. So before then, it was all medical dispensaries Um, And people, for the most part, were sick. And over time, I'd say around 2010 is when people start dabbing and people start doing open blasting and the kids start getting attitudes and then um, people just get really jaded. And it just it's sad. But I mean, that's what happens with capitalism. But in Los Angeles, it's always been run by quasi legal people. A majority of them are sociopaths. I'm not even kidding. And that's how you win in the industry, unfortunately, because you really need some balls. So it's just gotten, it got more, at least in SoCal, more kind of gangster in a way. I mean, there's tons of gangs that own shops that Will shut down and move somewhere else before they actually are shut down all the way because no one can really afford to enforce it. Um, and extracts were on the rise big time. I gotta tell you, if I was dabbing in high school, I don't even know like where I would be. Like it's kind of scary to think what's up with the youth, but maybe I'm just an old person.
0: No, I mean, I to, to that point, I've you know when I talk to my like friends about legalization, and you know, I always say like. The the high potency products actually sort of frighten me a little bit because it will give cannabis a bad rap. Ultimately, I think, and and that's not to say that I don't love a hundred milligram edible or, a, you know, dabbing. Um, is is that? Do you fear that as well?
1: I mean, straight up, like I have a problem with dabbing. <laughs> like I freaking love dabbing. It tastes so good. Like I love just taking a fat dab and then like laying back and be like, mm, that was so good. My problem is, is I wake up, I dab, I get on a call, I dab. I'm just dabbing till I run out of things to dab. So I literally have my ex-boyfriend take all my bongs and everything out of my apartment because I have no self-control. Um, it's a freaking problem for me, dude. Like, and I also turn into a dabby downer and I'm already really cynical. It's not helpful for anybody, but I mean, I've
0: I've noticed that too. I love
1: it, dude. I love it, but I can't function on it and I have a problem and I think people need to realize, I mean, look, even this, I've noticed it takes about three days for me to stop wanting to dab after I stop dabbing. Which is kind of crazy. Not that I'm like shaking or any sort of withdrawals, but it's a habit, you know. So, but after I quit dabbing, I feel so much better, like so much better. So I don't know, dude. I don't, you know. As a grown up, I'm thirty four. Uh, I don't recommend it for kids, especially these diamonds, dude. I freaking hate diamonds so much. They're it's not natural at all. <sighs>
0: So, so tell me a bit about the impetus behind starting the podcast, you know, um, you, you know, you say you don't want people to pick your brain, but, but you, you have this, you know, this podcast where you, you put everything out there and you're very honest, I mean, <laughs> very open, it's uh, it's, I wouldn't say to a fault, you know, but, but it's incredible to me as, as, you know, somebody who appreciates that sort of thing. So, so when did you decide that you were going to start this, the, the cannabis detector?
1: I once, some my business partner was literally the most optimistic, positive, energetic person I have ever met in my life. And I am the total opposite, which kind of like messed with my head because I'm like, wow, am I just the worst? Or is she like insane? And in the end, um, I think it was a mix <laughs> of both. She's amazing. I'm not talking shit. It's just in comparison to me, it kind of messed me up. So once I left, Then I found comfort going back to being my cynical self, which is when I came up with the title Bullshit Detector. Because all I've dealt with is bullshit. Like literally my entire career as a young woman in the most shady industry or the shadiest market in the industry, it's just been nonstop bullshit. So now literally all I see is bullshit. So I'm actually really good at that. And I created the podcast because... I don't want people to get fucked over. That's it. Like I've been fucked over. Everyone I know has. And if I can just save one person from getting into the industry with an idealistic expectation, then I've done my job. And that's the other thing. I made the podcast, dude, but people don't want to listen. They just want to pick your brain because they're lazy. And I'm like, look, dude, I put it out there so you can go check that. And when you're ready to pay me, call me.
0: During an episode, um, you say legalization is just another form of prohibition. And this is something that I have firmly have believed in. I, I have a, I'm a libertarian leaning sort of guy. Uh, you say something along the lines of um, actually I actually have it written down, but I'm not going to be able to find it. Um, you know, that with more laws, there's more laws to break.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: I'm in New York. Uh, we Cuomo just you know took legalization out of the budget. You know, my friends are all like boo hoo and I'm like, "That's great, man. The black market's treated me fine for you know sixteen years. Um, wh- I know I think I know what you mean by that, and a lot of people aren't going to agree with a statement Legalization is just another form of prohibition. What do you mean by that?
1: So, I mean, the key word is legal and the laws are so restrictive and uh, the compliance is so difficult to follow. And then the regulations are changing all the time that it kills small businesses and makes it nearly impossible to make it through the first years of legalization or legalization in general, because it's just it's too expensive for most people. So, when you have laws you have an illegal market i mean literally legalization turns a medical industry into a capitalistic industry and anyone who can't be a licensed whatever they are now criminals straight up so i loved prop 215 because it was gray and if you got a good lawyer you could get out of things but um I had someone telling me because he has been arrested for growing he had to go to federal court and there is no medical cannabis defense in federal court. He's strongly for legalization but I just disagree because legalization doesn't mean you can have home grows. I think that's what a lot of people think. Um legalization has different flavors based on the state and in California we aren't the fifth largest economy in the world because we care about people or anything like that. We're like literally run by special interest. So Prop 64, our legalization, just fucked everyone, literally. I mean, two-thirds of our state hasn't even adopted legalization. How does that work? And I tell people, you want to know what national legalization looks like? Look at California because all these states are going to be like, oh, state's rights, like we don't want to do it. And that's the way it works, you know? And why would... I mean, considering that special interests are the ones really behind legalization, besides like the Drug Policy Alliance, which I really question their motivations. But anyways, um, it just isn't for the people in the most part. I mean, plus the taxes and it's just it's really depressing um, watching people in the industry get basically screwed out of the industry they went to jail for by wealthy capitalists that do not care about anyone in the industry.
0: So what do you, what would you prefer to legalization?
1: I mean, decriminalization would be awesome if decriminalization meant that it was not treated like a crime. The problem is, is decriminalization does not give you a regulated market, which means sales and distribution and everything like that is still illegal or quasi legal, which people will still get arrested, but people are going to get arrested either way. So it depends on who you're asking. If you're talking to someone who's got a felony on their record and they went to jail for a home grow, they're going to want legalization because it's going to protect them. They think, but the key is, is to read the legalization measures before you vote for it.
0: Did you vote for the law? Can I ask you that?
1: Oh, God, no, dude. Hell no. I mean, <laughs> I read that shit. And you know what? I was going to debate it until they tried to put me on a panel with a crazy lawyer. And like, a, uh, I was up against like, a drug war victim and CBD nuns. And I'm like, whoa, dude, you're setting me up. Like, I'm not supporting the police on this. This is just a bad deal. And now everyone is crying. And I'm like, you're the one who fucking voted for it. Like, no pity. I'm sorry, but it's your fault, you know? And now it's just too late. What are we going to do? We can't turn back. It's very depressing.
0: So you you mentioned, you know, uh, that... You were invited to conferences. You've spoken about, you've spoken at several conferences and some of the, some of the the talks that you gave were about women in the cannabis industry. And I just want to talk to you a bit about that. Um, Do you, do you think that women are underrepresented in this space? Oh my
1: God. Yeah. And the fact that people think women are breaking a grass ceiling because of a Forbes article in 2017 does not by any means mean that A, it's true or B, that we're winning, they actually compared the fact that in the conventional industries or or in general business, women are 21% of the industry. But in the cannabis industry in 2017, women are 27%. So are we supposed to be glad that we're only a little less marginalized? I mean, come on, you know, and that was 2017. Women have been leaving the industry because it's a boys club. And especially with all these Wall Street and investor wealthy people coming in, treating women like sexual objects, not investing in their companies, women getting pushed out of their companies by their board of advisors. I mean, in uh, Canada, I believe 92% of all cannabis businesses are owned by men. So I'm constantly out there trying to dispel these myths that make men feel better because it's not true.
0: Is is there any way to bridge this gap? I mean, there's a minority problem uh, in the space. Um, you know, there's there's obviously a women pro not women problem, but you know, in terms of equity, it, it, what is there anything that can be done? I mean, short of more regulations.
1: Well, more regulations doesn't really help anybody. You can't you can't require. I mean. I don't know, dude. Like, okay. So there's social equity in California and social equity, like for Oakland, uh, for Oakland example, there is social equity, which they go by neighborhoods that have been defined as being over policed. Then they go by income requirements. Meaning if you had a nonviolent drug offense that fucked your life up and your income, where you make 80 percent less than the median average income of your neighborhood, you qualify to be a social equity applicant. By being a social equity applicant, you will get priority in licensing over existing businesses. Here's the problem: um, this is like such an overregulated industry that do you really think that people with no background in running these businesses like are going to succeed? I don't know, man. I mean, we really got to train people. Even business people fail at this. Second of all, guess what's happening? Rich investors are just picking up social equity applicants. I mean, in a way, exploiting them for the licenses, which kind of defeats the purpose, you know? So, I mean, I think all intentions are good or whatever, but, but are they actually going to make a difference? I don't know, dude. None of these social equity programs have actually worked yet. And I think that's what happens when the government gets involved. They fuck it up. They always do. So, I mean, it's a definite problem. It's something we need to address. But let's not kid ourselves. Legalization is capitalism. And capitalism does not care about people. And who runs everything? Rich white people. And, I mean, who's fucked up the world? White people. So, I don't know, dude. Can we fix it? Mm. I tell people, don't come to me for motivation. You know what I'm saying?
0: No, I I mean, it's it's a it's a really harrowing truth uh, that I I don't think does get enough attention. Um, And to your point, um, you know, two thirds of California doesn't even have, you know, allow legal sales. And it's probably those same like areas that were really bad to minorities, you know, when, when enforcement was in full effect. Um, So it's not really helping anybody to your point. I think
1: also something Um, to consider is if you don't regulate your industry, you are willfully allowing an illicit industry, which will only cost you money in enforcement. And not only that, you're fucking the state from their tax money, which they need to enforce legalization. Because if you don't have enforcement, then what's the point of getting licensed because you're going to get overtaxed overregulated and probably ground and like destroyed and then there will be some wealthy dude who will buy up the shell of your company for pennies on the dollar because you don't have any options to get out of it this is a freaking problem so i i mean i had this idea that will never happen but We should charge any city or county that decides to opt out of regulating their industry a specific fee based on their population, minimum a million dollars a year. And if you want to fuck around and not regulate the industry and have an illicit industry, then you need to pay for it. And maybe if you pay for it, you might change your mind and actually tax it, regulate it and be a part of the system, not a problem. But until then, we're fucked. Two-thirds of the state, that's insane. Like, what were they thinking, you know?
0: It's, and, and that's mostly, where is that mostly? Is it, is it sort of pocked out? Yeah, or? it really
1: is. It's. I mean, even if they allow cultivation, they don't allow shops. I mean, the state had to pass a bill to allow delivery all over the state because they left two-thirds of the state as a cannabis desert. Here's the other thing that people don't realize. Legalization destroys medical cannabis because the government would rather just wrap two programs into one and not deal with medical. But the problem is, is medical patients, A, need higher dosage products because they're using it for medical things. But if it's only a recreational market, they limit edibles at 100 milligrams. So not only that, then you have all these crazy taxes. So like, A chocolate bar that used to be 180 milligrams that sold for $20 is 100 milligrams and it sells for $40. And when you make legalization and all of these cities decide to opt out, the medical dispensaries are also fucked. So who wins?
0: I didn't know that the dispensaries, the medical dispensaries also weren't allowed if they got rid of rec.
1: I mean, look, man, if they actually had regulations in the first place, then they'd probably regulate the industry, but it's coming up with their own specific greedy bullshit that makes them not do it in the first place. I mean, dude, literally one city in California was requesting, not requesting, requiring $50 per square foot of cultivation tax to be paid up front. Like what? That's insane. I mean, another city. Um, they were telling people that if they wanted to grow at home, they would have to get a permit through the city, which is unconstitutional because it's our right to grow, and they don't need to know our business. It's just—it's all of these different things where we got fucked totally.
0: Have you heard of anyone considering challenging that ban based on constitutional grounds?
1: I mean, uh, people are really just trying to survive right now. And I think, I mean, the first episode I did for the cannabis detector was with this incredible lawyer. And I mean, I just quizzed him on every way to sue and be sued in the cannabis industry. And I asked, like, could we sue the state for fucking up? People are suing the state for the delivery bill. Because they're like we don't want this in our in our in our area, so I mean, it's just special interest in the end
0: so i I, I do want to ask you uh, this this question that's sort of unrelated to what we've been talking about um but i I'm really interested to get your response uh, so I was interviewing somebody as uh, I was interviewing a company from Maryland which was led by females, and they um, medical company, they offer products geared towards women. And what they said was, was that they sort of adopted these monikers for their products based on strain names being seen by some as too masculine, AK 47, green crack, things of that nature. Um, so I'm wondering first, what you think about that, whether or not, you know, strain names are too masculine. And how, how do you feel personally about products that are marketed toward women with pinks and purples?
1: I mean, Hey, I'm, I've been in the industry so long that if I actually had to buy cannabis, I think I failed somewhere in my career. So with that said, I'm not a consumer like that. Um, if it appeals to women, sweet, dude, we've been marginalized in every other way. The thing is, is it's not different, but I mean, marketing is marketing. Um, And I think with the names, genetics actually matter. Like people don't do genetics, uh, breeders, pheno hunters, whatever. They don't do this so you can change it into some fluff bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I don't support green crack, but blue dream or I mean, even AK-47, that's very established genetics. So if you're going to change the name, you at least owe people what it actually was in the first place there's a company called candescent in california um and they're cool love it i love their approach but they changed all the names to like calm or relax or whatever but it doesn't work like that for everyone you know so in my opinion i mean a indica and sativa is bullshit because it's the terpenes that affect it when you're calling something calm that's placebo effect right there. You're actually influencing people to think that that's what's going to happen. And if you didn't, what would they actually feel? Which is the whole point of my terpene class that I teach is that stop guessing. Don't it's not sativa or indica. So what if you just bought cannabis and like consumed it with no expectations? It will probably have a different effect than if you bought something called calm. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Do you think terpenes is sort of the, the the next, I guess? totally. Yeah, yes. no, it is. <laughs> Dude,
1: I mean, I always ask people in my class, what do you do when someone hands you a nug? You smell it. That's what you do. We follow our noses. I know if it's sour diesel or not because of the terpene profile. So it, I learned this at the lab I was working at. It took me about a month to come into acceptance that, I was spreading bullshit for five years at a dispensary, which is another reason why I'm so passionate about dispelling this to like make up for that. But I mean, even this, I would tell people whatever they wanted to hear to get them to leave. And that's exactly what they wanted to feel, which then made me wonder what, what does cannabis do? But now we know that it's the terpene profile, not necessarily the potency. It's not just THC. It's THC and other cannabinoids and the terpene profile. So once you figure out what strain you like, look it up online, look up the terpene profile, and then find other strains that have the same dominant terpenes. And the other thing is, is it's not strains, it's cultivars or chemovars, but you know, like you can only be so anal really, before you start turning people off.
0: Well, um. What's your favorite strain? Like, what's your what's your favorite like terpene profile? I love
1: you? Bubba Kush or Master Kush or Hindu Kush. It's got like this, like meaty mentholy kind of spicy flavor. Um, But it's so hard to actually find those strains because people like mislabel things, which is so annoying. It's like, dude. If it's not OG, don't call it OG just to charge more money because it doesn't even smell like OG, you know, which is a problem. I mean, do we have so many issues to deal with? I mean, dude, you don't go to a grocery store and buy a green apple and call it a red apple, you know. I mean, rose growers don't spend all their time coming up with specific rose um, breeds or species or whatever so that you can just call it a rose. You know what I'm saying? Like. We need to respect the growers. I mean, after all, they get fucked by everybody. Yet they are the basis of the industry, and I mean, they get fucked by everybody because they're at the bottom of the supply chain. They do the most work and they get the least amount of money.
0: Is is there any is there any push to to at least change that setup by uh, people in the industry that that you've spoken to?
1: Well, I know that there are companies like. Um, what is it? Bio something. Um, oh, Phylos and other companies that are like, look, send us your product so we can map the genome and add it into our system. So when big businesses and corporations come in and start patenting different things, we can show that this existed before them and they don't own it. The thing is, is Once that company gets bought up by a big company, then a massive company now has everybody's information. It's a catch 22. And really, who's going to regulate it? There is no such thing, you know,
0: how how bad is the the corporate problem in California?
1: It's huge. I mean, most states don't allow outside investment into their state when they're starting because that fucks everyone in the state. California was like, hey, dude, anyone can come in. So now we have all of these investors making stupid investments like really investing with their penis or something because they're not thinking about what they're doing. And they're fueling a bunch of sociopaths that don't know how to run businesses and everyone suffers working for them. And they keep getting bigger. And I'm not going to say any names, but there's some really big companies run by super shitty people. And it's because stupid investors keep giving them money. So I think this is a big problem. Plus, these people don't get high. They waited. I mean, dude, John Boehner, okay, he's yeah, like, Bader. he's pushing for federal legalization. I question his motives. He runs, I mean, he's on the board of Acreage Holdings, which wants to own the industry. And I say, fuck those guys. Fuck John Boehner. Fuck the ex-Canadian prime minister. None of them were supportive of cannabis when we were going to jail. Yet now they're all about, what, making tons of money off of it? Like, no. No. I'm not going to support these people exploiting my industry, you know?
0: So in in lieu of support, though, I mean, isn't somebody like Boehner at least sort of a big enough name to maybe get some of these conservatives, Republicans who, you know, are sort of, if 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 he can help change their mind, then maybe less people go to jail and maybe...
1: Dude, if he changes their mind and national legalization happens, we're fucking done. We're done. Like, that's the last thing protecting small businesses. Look, the cannabis industry is a risk. If you're not willing to take the risk, you don't really deserve to be in the industry in the first place. And I'm I haven't gone to jail. So obviously, I'm not representing everyone. Um, And that sucks, dude. But federal legalization dude, hemp. Farm bill that just passed. That doesn't mean you can grow hemp wherever you want now because states nope. can control it. So if we do federal legalization, the next step is globalization. And let me give you an example of globalization. There is a company called, I think it's like InstaDose Pharma uh, in Canada. They have spent a ton of money um investing in the DRC and um Colombia or something in South America. And they grew so much hemp, supposedly, that they have 2 million liters of CBD that's going to come into the Canadian industry. And they propose that that will drop the prices of CBD wholesale by 96%. There's no way Americans can compete with third world countries. I mean, ask any farmer. And let me tell you, this depresses people, but this is a reality. There was an article by the Guardian that said that farmers have the highest suicide rate by all industries combined. The thing is is you don't hear about it because farmers stage their deaths to look like accidents so their family can get life insurance to bail them out of debt. That's a fucking problem. But why don't you add on the fact that you were growing cannabis for 20 years? And now you're still a, it's still illegal, even with federal legalization, because you're not licensed. Um, And then, you know, if they had a global market, even then, everyone's fucked. And I actually know of three, I've heard about three people that were in the industry that took their lives last year, because of stupid regulations, fucking up their livelihoods. I think government needs to understand what they're doing. But honestly, I don't think they care.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm there with you. Taxation's theft, and like the government food. Is, is, is the biggest murderer in the world.
1: No taxation without representation. You know what I'm saying?
0: Nobody um, believes that anymore.
1: Well, psh, people are dumb. That's the problem. <laughs> That's why we don't want John Boehner talking. Dude, all he is is talking Republicans into exploiting our industry, not protecting us. So, no, I don't want that. I don't want these guys in the industry. They don't fucking deserve it.
0: Um, I could sit here and I could talk to you for another hour and a half, but I cannot.
1: I know. Um, <laughs> I could go <laughs> off. I go off every day. These things like if you can't tell, this shit makes me heated, which is the whole point no, of No, you're
0: passionate, you're passionate, and you rightfully should be. I mean, you've you've, you know, been been part of DEA raids several times. Like, like you've been in the industry before there was this industry. And I mean, I admire your your forthrightness and it's a breath of fresh air i think in an industry that people want so badly to you know to call it a win when the reality is it's it is it's it's just fucking people fucking farmers and and it's It's ultimately more people are going to go ultimately people are still going to go to fucking jail over this
1: yes exactly so come on guys let's pay attention this is the other thing um so i'm putting together a tour for my terpene class and my podcast, and I'm calling it the Common Sense Tour, but like sense spelled like S-C-E-N-T-S. And the whole point is I want to teach you about terpenes, but also critical thinking, and maybe get you to start sniffing out the bullshit instead of believing it. Because unless we start questioning the motives behind the things that are coming up, we are going to fuck ourselves. And there's really no excuse. if you If you hear me talk, then I'm holding you personally responsible for fucking things up if you vote for stupid things. So <laughs> don't even tell me if you voted for it. You know what I'm saying?
0: I, we, we have, I've never had an opportunity. I've never lived in a legal state, um, you know, but, but when, like I said, when Cuomo was, uh, was pitching it in the budget, you know, people around me are excited. I'm just like, guys, it's it's not going to be what you think it is. Um, None of these governments
1: wa- pass this to help the people. Okay. They pass it for money, period.
0: When I was in Vermont, you know, they legalized it, basically decriminalized it. There was no, um, no shops or anything in the regulations. And a little gray market occurred, but it, it was basically... It was basically just the same sort of people just doing the same sort of thing, just no longer afraid that when they get pulled over with, you know, an ounce or two that they're actually going to go to jail for it or even have it taken from them.
1: That's the way to go.
0: Uh, And they're talking about regulations probably as we speak. I
1: mean, they probably Uh, are because they want money. But look, if you are a part of the regulations, if you don't vote for things that are going to fuck you up, that's the key. You know, you got to keep fighting. You know, if you want to do something better, then you need to pull together and come up with a better solution. Because just being against it, um, I mean... It's not going to work if we just fight everything. Maybe we could influence some things. It might not be as bad if people were really pushing what would help people. But if we leave it to lobbyists and government officials, no one's going to win but them.
0: Well, and that's how it's been at least our entire lifetimes. If called really capitalism.
1: <laughs> Straight up, you know.
0: It's crony capitalism. Uh, it's, it's a goddamn shame.
1: Look at our president. Um, Need we say more?
0: <laughs> um so you're going on this tour terpenes common sense uh just going to california or no
1: no i'm starting off in jamaica um next month and i'm going to be teaching doctors about terpenes and then california i'm going to go up the coast in may june i'm hoping to go across canada um july i don't know wherever people pay me to go i'm not coming to the east coast till autumn because i'm not trying to sweat you know what i'm saying
0: Oh, it's forty. It's forty degrees here right now. It's perfect.
1: Yeah, but not during the summer. It's horrible. Um, plus, I always <laughs> wanted to see the leaves change. You know,
0: yeah, it's 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 a it's a good time. I'll uh, I'll definitely look for you if you do make it uh, onto the East Coast. Where can people find the bullshit detector and more about you?
1: So I highly recommend anyone in the cannabis industry to get on LinkedIn. It has the best industry. This is where the future is. It's the smart people. People don't put up with Facebook emotional bullshit. I mean, that's what I love about it. People actually really hold um, their feed seriously. So LinkedIn, um, I am linkedin.com slash I N slash that Kristen Yoder. If you connect with me, I'll keep you informed. And I have over 22,000 connections that are like, for the most part, awesome people. Um, You can find me on Instagram at soil to the oil. And on my Instagram page, there are links to my other Instagrams for both of my shows. And on those bios, um, there's a link to a document that has every episode on it. Um, and then you can find me, my website is soil to the oil.com.
0: Thank you so much for coming on the show, taking the time. I know that you're busy. Uh, like I said, breath of fresh air. I'm excited to, you know, keep listening to your podcast and, um, you know, hopefully I get to catch this, uh, this common sense tour. If you, you make it out East or, you know, into parts of Canada. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm close to the border just in case shit goes South.
1: I know, dude, I'm planning on marrying a Canadian for like a exit, you know, cause don't marry for love, marry for benefits. Um, and the other thing <laughs> yeah. that I didn't mention was, My podcast, the part of my tour with my podcast is to go around and get the voices of everyone that's getting fucked over by their regulations. I mean, dude, Canada, wow, they really messed up. Like everywhere has messed up and there are victims everywhere. And it is my goal to give them a voice because I feel like they've really been marginalized. So stay tuned, everyone.
0: You're incredible, man. Thank you. Thank you so much again for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. what are you doing? My dog just showed up. (laughs) He's had enough. You can find more episodes of the Gondrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gondrepreneur.com and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gondrepreneur.com website, you'll find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gondrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House. I've been your host, TG Brandfold.